welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Tude. Welcome. It is Album Nerds Podcast time. I'm Tude. I got uh, Don and Andy here with me. Andy, how you doing, man? Ready to talk about some records? Dude, you know I am, man. It's been a, it's been a good week of listening here. We got some, some classic picks here I'm feeling good about. Don, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. We got a couple extra words. <laughs> oh, ooh. Feel the bubbly personality over there, Don. Are you high, Don? <laughs> no comment. Yeah, it, is, it is 420, actually. Oh, God. We're not going down that road. Okay, so yeah, we are talking about three albums today. We'll be answering a question that we ask ourselves. We'll be spinning the wheel of musical destiny to find out what kind of albums we'll talk about next time. But this week, we're talking about albums that were recommended by you, the listeners, people that join us on albumnerds.com slash discord. So we have a channel on the Discord where you can give us recommendations, talk about your favorite albums. So we thank all of those people that gave us some recommendations. And that's what we picked from this week. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so as Dude mentioned, you know, we combed all through our, our Discord to find the, the right listener recommendations. And so each of us are, you know, bringing to the table, I, I guess, our favorite recommendations that other album nerds provided. Recommendations of the recommendations, I believe. At least for me, I was, I looked through a lot of things that were new to me. I enjoyed many of those things. Shout out to, shout out to Modesty, Unearth the Oncoming Storm was a close one for me. Finger of Doom brought up David Gray. I remember David Gray. I hadn't listened to that White Ladder album in forever, so that was kind of fun. Also, Mouse Rat, Local Valley by Jose Gonzalez. I enjoyed that, so I had a lot of fun listening to these recommendations and then ultimately going my own way. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had a good time with it too, actually. There was a pretty wide variety of records recommended up there. Uh, just mentioned a couple that I was considering. Dude, I think we listened to this Black Puma's record a couple of years back. It was like a kind of like a modern funk soul record. It's pretty. It's pretty good considering that. That was recommended by uh, Jerry Blue. Uh, Finger of Doom also recommended songs for the deaf. The Queen of the Stone Age record that is an easy listen. Um, and I'm gonna real quick a record from this year recommended by Brig One Thirty Five. Self titled Wet Leg album, which is a, a fun like punk pop project. So good. Uh, good picks there, listeners. Thanks. Yeah, and I, uh, I guess I sort of ignored the the spirit of this theme, which I think was to to kind of be turned on to to new things. Um, and I was actually, you know, all the records you guys mentioned uh, were solid. Um, plus, uh, you know, I got to hear the you know the the latest Def Leppard on there, which was which was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I basically took the opportunity to discuss an album I've, I've kind of been dying to talk about for a long time. All right, let's get into them. You. Choo choo choose me. All right, so my listener recommendation recommendation comes from listener Frankie P, who recommended uh, just a couple weeks ago Tori Amos's debut record, Little Earthquakes, which I have been a huge fan of for majority of my adult life. Let's play uh, track four. It's a little bit of precious thing. Yeah, 
this is a debut record for Myra Ellen Amos, aka Tori Amos, uh, who is a singer-songwriter slash pianist from Newton, North Carolina. Um, she had been in a group, like a synth-pop group, called Why Can't Tori Read? Can't is spelled with a K. She can't spell either. Yeah. She can't, she can't read. She can't read or spell, apparently, yeah. Oh, I thought it was like Kant, you know, the philosopher. Uh Oh, maybe there's a deeper Whoa, to it. mind blown. Um, anyway, that group disbanded in the late 80s, and she went off on her own. Um, she ended up recording multiple versions of this record before it was finally picked up by Atlantic Records and released to uh, pretty wide acclaim. I guess we'll get into that in a moment or two, but I've, I felt like this record was always booked on pretty positively. Uh, the three words that I use to describe it are intimate, alternative, anthems because it is it's a very intimate kind of um confessional type record like a lot of her records are but she has such a strong personality and kind of like quirkiness to the delivery here that i find very endearing we'll get into some of the the themes that are are discussed here in a moment or two but what did you guys think well the the three words i i picked are uh beauty from the ugly because uh uh, as you said i mean the the subject matter i i think can be I think it's pretty, pretty in, intense. And I think it comes from, from some dark places. And, you know, there's some, some pain in there, but it's, it's presented. Uh, most of the songs are presented in kind of a beautiful way. You know, she has a, a lovely voice and she, she does lots of uh, interesting things with it. Uh, there's also lots of strings and, and, you know, orchestration, you know, that, you know, at times it's just very beautiful and, and theatrical. It's a pretty lesson for sure. The three words I used to describe it are piano, intensity, and alt-rock. Because even though this doesn't really fit into that alt-rock, it kind of got pulled in. If Carol King and Sinead O'Connor had a child together, it would be Tori Amos. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so at the time, yeah. So like I, per- I personally prefer the second album, Under the Pink, which I think is sonically much more interesting and textured. But yeah, I mean, her songwriting is strong. Her vocals are impassioned, but ultimately it's a long feeling album. By the second half or so, it's like, okay, I get it. You're going to play the piano <laughs> and wail a little bit. It doesn't keep me <laughs> excited to, to keep listening. And that was always how I felt about it, even back in the day. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. I agree with the the length, um, yeah. especially when it's this intense. You know, I, I don't think you can in, in, uh, sustain that intensity for fifty four minutes or whatever. It, you know, I, I think forty mm-hmm. something minutes would have would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, it's like if a friend is venting to you about the stuff going on in their life, you're there for them, you're patting their back, you're listening, and then after twenty thirty minutes, it's like you you're, you've zoned out. It's like all right, <laughs> I, I have nothing left for you. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's sonically, she stays in the groove. I mean, Don mentioned there are some orchestration that helps give some more power to some moments, but it's pretty sparse. That can give it power at times. Like there's actually the next song I want to play here is uh, Winter, which is a a very sparse track kind of about her childhood and uh, kind of chasing your dreams and having confidence. Um, Yeah, why don't we play a little bit of Winter now? I think that's my favorite moment on the album. I remember driving home the other day listening to it, and I 
I, I almost got choked up. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can totally see it. I think it's a really powerful song. Something about how she talks about her father and just sort of like these memories of like being in snowdrifts and stuff. I find it really endearing to me. And the, those big swells there, they really does get to you. <laughs> That's some people with a soul, a heart. <laughs> I feel hey, I get teary whenever I watch a Rocky movie, so hey, well, that's pretty sensitive. Yes, <laughs> uh, Rocky's your Tory. <laughs> yeah, he. Some people like uh, poetry. Some people appreciate Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. punching. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the themes here: the childhood is definitely uh, something she explores quite a bit. Um, kind of being an outsider, especially maybe as a child, picked up that quite a bit. Just general loss and relationship angst. It's something that I know a lot of like my friends in high school were relating to her pretty heavily, especially the my girlfriends. And then there's a big topic that she gets into on this next song I want to play here, which is rape. And I think she does offers like a very powerful kind of account of, of her own experience with that topic. And for this track, she really strips away everything, um, even the piano, and just uh, lays lays out her soul and. Described a, a terrible, terrible moment from her life. This is uh, me and a gun. Was me and a gun and a man on my back, and I sang holy, holy as he buttoned down his pants. Yeah, I mean, we're all afraid to talk after yeah, that. Yeah, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> wow, I mean, jeez, I, I wish it had been earlier in the album. I was, just, I was just gonna say I appreciate that she put that pretty close to the end because it gives you kind of something to get you through what is a little bit slower of the end of the record. That's true. Yeah, I, I guess I w- I would have preferred those moments earlier, just for me. Maybe because I did kind of start to tune out towards the end. The impact is less when you're you've kind of you know it's back it's become background yeah. music, and I I wish I would just prefer to have that uh, further up front, just because because of the album length, you know. Right. Right. Did you feel like that was an effective? song either of you guys oh yeah of course yeah (laughs) i think so too Uh, i'm gonna nominate this for the einhoffs officially einhoff alert album nerds hall of fame nomination incoming so me uh me and frankie p are gonna say yes uh don yeah um I don't know. I, I I mean, I feel pretty good about the, this record, and it, we had done the the Sinead O'Connor in the in the past. And I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of similarities, you know, with the the, the treatment, the the music, and the uh, the strings, um, even the acapella song. You know, uh, Sinead O'Connor had one of those on that record. But some there's something about this that Tori Amos's her something about it the, the, it's it's softer or something um or maybe it's more palatable than the than the Sinead O'Connor so uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say yes oh you had me on the i mean i go the other way there okay trying to build suspense <laughs> okay dude I, I i i don't think you're gonna say yes i, I doubt it i feel like tori amos belongs in the album nerds hall of fame i don't think it's this album but i don't know that we'll ever come back around to under the pink which i personally found to be more compelling i know if i said no it would get shot down by our listeners so i'm just gonna say yes wow (laughs) oh my gosh bullied by the listeners Mm -hmm. you can say no man it's no problem no i'm i'm giving it a yes because i do i I, it did have a humongous impact on 
female singer songwriters of that time. I think without her, your uh, Sarah McLaughlin's and your Lilith Fair artists and all of that wouldn't have come out of the woodwork as as strongly as they did because I really do think that she kind of set some of that foundation. So yes, I totally agree with that. So yeah, all right. So little earthquakes officially ushered into the in-house. Anyway, the story of most little earthquakes. Uh, Inhoff member. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. And now it's time on the Album Nerds podcast when we ask ourselves a question. It's fall. It's autumn time here in this part of the world. So uh, what are some of your favorite things from the season? Like album releases or other activities yeah there usually are a pretty good crop of records that come out this time of year um this time in the fall i love listening to like blues rock i find like anything that's like a little bit more soul based or like funk based i find really good with the you know things are just feel life more i think in the fall because things are kind of dying and like the colors are so vibrant and uh the light is so different in the fall, at least in like upstate New York where I live. The light can be just beautiful, yeah. especially in the mornings. It's such a interesting colors and shadows and stuff. Um, so like Jimi Hendrix, Grateful Dad, I'll definitely listen to a lot of that this time of year. Maybe some trip hop, something like that. Plus you get all like the Halloween and all the scary movies. We always do like the October movie fest here at the house of you know creepy movies and stuff every night. Um, yeah, so it is it's a good time of year. I love it's definitely one of my favorites. So. What about you, Dan? I, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to um, hibernate. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, you know, whatever season it is, when I first get immersed in an album, I then kind of associate that album with with that time of year. Um, so I recall, mm. like the, the the Smiths, "The Queen Is Dead." I remember like borrowing somebody's cassette of it, um, and so I think I spent you know, the month of October, just like listening to that album constantly. So, um, you know, that's always an album I, I bring out this, this time of year. Um, nice. yeah. And then I guess, uh, again, like you said, with it, with Halloween coming up and stuff like that, I, I do tend to start to gravitate to the more Gothic stuff. So, you know, maybe sisters of mercy or, you know, a couple of those cure records or Susie and the Banshee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And toothers. Yeah, two years Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Also, and it's, uh, I mean, it's football season and, um, you know, I, I do some tailgating. And so I, I end up listening to, you know, I don't know, a lot of interesting stuff, jock jams, you know. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I don't know. That uh, sounds like a club I used to go to when I was a younger man. <laughs> what kind of club is that? <laughs> it was, uh, it was like a sports bar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. I don't know where your mind went. <laughs> yeah, for me, I guess it goes back. I think about my younger years when fall comes around, when it comes to how I think about music, because school would start and you'd all the albums you got over the summer or the the songs of the summer kind of fade away. And then you move into this more, I used to, it was more of a serious album time and less of a cruising around listening to Fresh Prince or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean football, fantasy football, that's really the majority of of my fall. Like I look forward to it all year. It's my Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I kind of sink into the same kind of stuff as you guys were talking about, more of the not gothic per se, but the darker 
stuff and definitely more jam music-y type stuff for me. I don't know why. Yeah. It just feels like a, yeah. a time to relax because the summer is kind of hectic. So, yeah. What about the what about you album nerds out there? Fall, what are your favorite things from the season? Let us know. Albumnerds.com slash Discord. Hello, Johnny Depeche here. I'm going to do some Depeching. <laughs> Johnny Depeche. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I was, I, I struggled to, uh, you know, find the, the right recommendation for me until finally uh, Boolean's Vark pulled out actually a, a good list of, of favorites. Um, and of course, one of those was uh, Depeche Mode Violator. Uh, and I, I should say that that last uh, last episode, I, I did um, say that I was going to have my wife recommend Depeche Mode Violator, um, but that is not my wife, and you know it just uh, it's freak luck. I, I swear that that somebody else recommended that album. Okay, so uh, yes, this is the the seventh album from Depeche Mode, uh, who were formed in Basildon, Essex, uh, England, in 1980. It was released in March 1990. It's called Violator, and this is, uh, or possibly the most known track from the album, Personal Jesus. You know, as a church kid, youth grouper at the time. This was not appreciated mm-hmm. by some of the yeah. parents of my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not surprised. So, yeah, this is um, this is a time in in the uh, you know I guess the lifespan of of Depeche Mode. Uh, Martin Gore, the the main songwriter, uh, really hit his stride at this point. You know, from like 1986's Black Celebration. You know, through the the early 90s. You know, he kind of just he he ditched the the old like trite political and social lyrics you know like people are people and he started to get you know more personal uh we start to get more like kind of religious themes uh, and stuff like that you know this is this is you know my favorite Depeche Mode album uh, I really think it's a it's a lyrical masterpiece I mean even that line reach out and touch faith I mean it sounds kind of like a throwaway but I mean how cool is that right because I mean faith is all about things you can't touch you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh, I thought maybe it was about an exotic dancer I mean, yeah. So, I mean, this whole album is is about sex and, and lust. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that at all. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it was a, a bunch of hymns put to a Casio yes. keyboard. Right. Um, but yeah, and it's a, it's a very, uh, a very cynical record. Uh, you know, it's kind of given to lust, you know, because there's, there's nothing else. Um, anyway, so there's a, there's a happy, a happy note for you. Dude, what do you, what do you think of, uh, this, this record? All right. Well, Depeche Mode was most popular when I was in high school. And I remember people talking about it and me being like, what, you know, like, what's a Depeche Mode? At the time, I thought it was kind of like Duran Duran, but dirtier. But I've come to hear it differently as I've gotten older. The three words that I used to describe this album are synth with soul. So it's very synthy and keyboardy and electronica of the time, you know, dance-ish. But there is more to it, more to the lyrics. They are able to actually use those synthetic sounds and give them some soul, give them the feel of instruments, which is not an easy thing. And it reminds me a lot of what U2 was doing later to high acclaim on Zuropa 
in particular in pop, where it's like, oh, wow, they're changing the game. It's like, didn't Depeche Mode kind of do this already? So I do appreciate them more than I ever have. I've never really listened to this album more than once in a row. So listening to it uh, seven, eight, nine times in the last week or so, I have come to uh, appreciate them and this album much more than I ever thought I would. Weird up. My three words are moody night vibes. Yeah, definitely picked up on the sexual tone. But there isn't like, I don't know. I guess I don't know all the lyrics by by heart, but there isn't like it seemed like it was a little bit mysterious, at least actually. It wasn't like in your face. I was hoping your three words were gonna be working on your night moves. <laughs> Perfected already. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there has feedback on that, please let us know. Elbnerds.com slash Discord. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, you know, one thing I realized listening to this record, which I listen, I've been a fan of this record for, for decades. I'm a big Depeche Mode fan in general. Uh, enjoy this part of their career immensely. I tried listening to this record a lot during the day. Like during my work day, I just couldn't get into it. Like I was like, what is wrong? And then I put it on one night like on the weekend out driving and I was like, this is awesome. And it was like just having that setting, I guess, of like the darkness and some mystery is just almost required for listening to this album. I recommend headphones also. Uh, headphones made a really big difference for me feeling this a little bit more, especially since it, it is easy to get disconnected from, especially if it's just on your stereo, you're working, whatever, and paying attention to the details and the sound help a lot. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, kind of in the in the theme of what Andy was talking about, uh, here's uh, another track from the album called Waiting for the Night. This album musically is a, a bit of a departure uh, from the the previous albums. Um, they kind of moved away from like sampled industrial sounds. Uh, they kind of it, it's it's more um, more ambient, I, I think. Like that track there kind of sounds like uh, Brian Eno or, or or something. So yeah, and you know I think the it's it's hard to say that the album is subtle, you know, because there are lots of little sounds here and there, but it's, I don't know. They're a little more in the, in the background. Uh, it's a little more refined. I, I think. I would agree. I think I really like that. I appreciate that about them. You don't hear that in like a lot of dance music, that subtlety. Usually it's just kind of like four on the floor and get out there and shake your booty and they have another layer to it. I don't know, I've, I've always gravitated towards music for the masses, which I think has a different take on that sort of abstract ambience than this record does. They're both good. They're just different, I guess. I would say. Yeah. Oh, so the the three words I used to describe the album were just uh, lust, religion, and shame. And uh, you know, I've already talked about how it's it's kind of all about lust. Uh, and then there's this you know religious imagery that's that's throughout it. You know, it's in uh, clean. Uh, and then this song here, Halo. Yeah, I. I- I assumed this was about the video game series, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, that one. Twenty years early. That one's definitely about infidelity. You know, again, just sort of you know giving in to just because you know there's there's nothing else out there. And as I say those words, and you know when I sometimes you know just read through the lyrics, I'm like, wow, that's that's so dark. Um, I guess it's I don't know if it's you know because you've got this this dance beat underneath it. There's still. I don't know. There's like a, a little bit of hopefulness or something uh, in Depeche Mode's music. And I think that's always been true. It's interesting that you picked kind of like 
two lesser known songs on an album that's like packed with so many well-known singles is that do you appreciate those more than uh, the popular songs yeah maybe I, I mean i suppose that's always the case when you've lived with an album so long you, you start to much, yeah. um you know move away from the you know the more known tracks but of course enjoy the silence was a you know was a big hit i think it was in the top 10 here in the in the united states but even that one that one sounds like a Kind of like a traditional love song, you know, but really, you know, the words are very unnecessary. You know, it's like, I mean, this is great and I love you or whatever, but, you know, let's, let's shut up or we're going to ruin it, you know? <laughs> so again, just this, this yeah. c- uh, cynical vibe, uh, you know, th- throughout it. I could talk about Depeche Mode all day, but. Yes, he can. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing I, I really like uh, are, are the harmonies. And they're, they're actually quite simple. Dave Gahn uh, has just this monotone delivery, uh, but then you have Martin Gore's, um, you know, voice. It's almost always uh, an octave up. I mean, that seems like the obvious way to do harmony, but that's not typically what, what people do. And it, I don't know, it, it gives it sort of a, I don't know, maybe kind of an eerie vibe or, or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I always felt that Depeche Mode's uh, harmonies were, were unique. I've never noticed them until this exercise of listening closely to this album, but they are actually quite enjoyable. And once you notice them, you start picking up on them. I think I always just mashed it in with uh, that they're using ten- tons and tons of tracks and just mixing everything together. I didn't really think about the different voices, but you can hear them if you're listening. Okay. Well, um, this is one of my favorite albums of, of all time. It, it's probably... it. it could be the album I've listened to the most in my life. So for that reason, I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate it for the uh, Album Nerds Hall of Fame. Ain Huff Alert, Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. Shit, back to back here. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, I'm I'm at your mercy. Yes. Wow. Was- like I said, I I experienced something different than I had before. It was just some pop dance stuff to me when I was younger. It's obviously an album with a lot of craftsmanship and uh, and influence, and it has stood the test of time and does not sound dated, even though it totally should, based on the tools that they use. That's a really good point. Yeah, big, big two thumbs up for me, too. Um, definitely among my favorites of theirs, and definitely among the best, I think, of this, this genre. So get it in there. Congratulations to Depeche Mode and uh, to Boolean's Vark. Thank you for your recommendation. And, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't even be there without the contributions of Johnny Depeche. Of course. <laughs> Can't forget Johnny. And now word from our sponsor, us. This is friendship. Pure, unadulterated friendship. I am. Are you a music fan? Love the album format? Want to share your unique musical tastes? Join us on Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord to talk with like-minded nerds, recommend music and topics for the show, and to find out what's coming next. Much of Fleetwood Mac's success is due to the satanic power wielded by Enchantress and Witch, Stevie Nicks. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a second there. So, tis my turn, and I am going with some low-hanging fruit, an album that I desperately wanted to grab on that 1976 show we did. This album was recorded in 1976, but not released until February of 1977. Luckily, we got to talk about Rainbow Rising, which turned out to be life-changing for everyone involved. So, it's now time to grab an album I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. 
because this is not something I liked when I was a kid, but I've grown to really appreciate it. Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. Thank you, Lily, on the Discord for uh, suggesting this one. I saw it and I'm like, haha, cha-ching. I'm sorry, everything else you lost as soon as I saw this because I've been itching to get this in. <laughs> so uh, why don't we listen to a little bit of Dreams. Oh, uh, that's hard to resist, isn't it? Like it hard to hit stop on that. Yeah, I mean, you start swaying to it. There's something magical, hypnotic. I don't know about the the way they put this thing together and uh, Stevie Nicks contributions vocally as well on that one. The three words I used to describe this was when worlds collide. So we've got a couple levels of this, right? Fleetwood Mac had been around since the 60s. It was a blues band. Lots of singers came and went. And then you had Buckingham Nicks, a duo of uh, Lindsey Buckingham and, and Stevie Nicks that were recording artists, kind of folky, kind of poppy. And so then they collided with Fleetwood Mac and made the the first album together. This was their second album with this lineup, which included uh, Mick Fleetwood, so John and Christine McVie, who had been a married couple, and then Stevie and Lindsay were together, and they were all breaking up with each other. Uh, Mick Fleetwood was getting a divorce, so all these worlds were colliding, all this drama, all this hurt, and then they're writing songs about that stuff that the other people have to contribute to. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that song in particular was, you know, about moving on and letting a, a someone you love, a guy, go because, you know, who am I to stop you from pursuing other people and living this other life without me? Uh, I know, dude. I mean, that's intense. Imagine, like, being in a band with, like, your wife and having to sing something like that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Christine McVie has that song, You Make Love and Fun, that was about her boyfriend making her feel really good, and he was the, light, the lighting tech for the band. <laughs> And then her husband, her ex-husband is like getting high and drunk and miserable, having to (laughs) do a baseline on this song about the dude she's now sleeping with. So (laughs) is it it really any worse than the the tension we sometimes have on this show? Well, you make... (laughs) You make a good point, Don, and you, you make podcasting fun. You need to. Uh, <laughs> if I could, if, if we were hugging the entire time, all three of us in a try hug the whole time we're recording, I'd be the happiest man on earth. <laughs> try hug. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, why don't you guys talk about this record? What do you think? Oh, Lordy. My three words are <laughs> drama equals hits, question mark. Yeah, this album is about as iconic as they get. I mean, the album art itself i've seen around since i was a little kid and immediately know you know what it is it's kind of reminds me a little bit of that the boston record we talked about a few shows back and now it's like every track on here you've probably heard on the radio a thousand times since you were growing up and they're just all that good i mean i, I kind of agree with what dude was saying i think stevie nicks in particular really shines on this record I and mean, the tracks that she leads are just Kind of like spell spellbinding, I guess would be the word that comes to mind. So yeah, it's it's a great great album. I, I you know more recently came to appreciate Lindsey Buckingham and, and how good of a songwriter he is um, with some of his solo material. But I mean, you can very clearly hear the songs that he wrote on here as well are are fantastic and great group of musicians. And the other thing I noticed too, they have a very varied sound. 
terms of the lots of different lead singers and instrumentation changes up a lot from track to track, even though each there's a lot of singles on here, they don't all sound the same kind of in the way the Boston album really does sound like just kind of the same recipe over and over again. They have a lot of variation here and it's it's pretty interesting to listen and obviously it's a great record. Don, your thoughts? Uh, well, my three words were uh, pure pop masterpiece. And I'm, I'm overusing that, that word masterpiece. So I, I'm going to start saying magnum opus. Mm. <laughs> that's two words, though. That, gets, <laughs> that, gets, yeah. that complicates things. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yes, better watch out. Just, um, just, say, just say mopus and we'll know what you mean. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in danger of being redundant here, but having three songwriters all with, you know, just very unique pro approaches, uh, and somehow making it, you know, work together on, on one album is, is quite a feat. I mean, I suppose the Beatles did it. Yeah. And then plus the, you know, three, you know, distinct voices, you know, as, as Andy said, uh, you've got all this, it's very eclectic, you know, there's a, there's a wide variety, but it's all very, uh, accessible and it still all sounds like, like Fleetwood Mac, you know, they, they truly have a unique sound. And, and I think that's, um, you know, that, that's the making of a, of a great artist, you know, when you, when you hear, you know, just a, a few notes of it and you, you know, that it's, that it's them. All right. So why don't we listen to a little bit of, the chain, which is the only song in the album where they're all really involved in the songwriting and arrangement, not working on each other's songs. So uh, let's listen to a bit of that. Uh, could be construed as more about relationships. Could be construed of regardless of what's happening in the relationships, we got to keep this band together. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. That song hit me hard this time. I was really impressed. Especially that, that bass line and the drums are just like awesome. <laughs> we got to give uh, McVie and Fleetwood props for the, There are some incredible bass lines on this thing. And the drums and the percussion is flawlessly matched to the moods and the different sounds. And uh, I know the songwriters get a lot of the praise, but some of the bass, it's like on Dreams, the bass line on that thing is incredible. That song, The Chain, is is really the one that uh, invited me into Fleetwood Mac because I, I when I was a kid watching MTV and you know Fleetwood Mac would be on there with with Gypsy and tell you know lies and stuff like that and I, I just they just always seemed kind of old to me um, and I, I remember as as I got uh, as I got older um, I remember hearing The Chain on some classic rock or classic hits channel I'm like wow the, you know. That's the stuff. Uh, so, you know, from that point, you know, then, you know, I, I acquired the album and, you know, I, I've loved it ever since. And it's an album I revisit all, all the time. Why don't we uh, focus a little bit on Lindsey Buckingham's work here? Let's listen to a little bit of Never Going Back Again. That was, uh, I think, a song about his explorations once he and Stevie were falling apart and he's kind of a big deal at this point because they had some hits off the last album so I think the kind of there's a frivolity and a joy and a kind of pep in his step you can hear in that song that I think is from enjoying the attention of of some uh, folks it's hard to believe that's the the same guy that did the stupid song from National Lampoon's Vacation that Holiday Road oh my god that was I didn't know that was him that's Lindsay Buckingham yeah <laughs> 
I guess I always assumed, for some reason, I just assumed it was Kenny Loggins because that's total Loggins jam right there. <laughs> how, do, how does that go, Dan? Holiday roll. You know that one. <laughs> you almost reached it, man. All right. So, you know, I think we're going to make this a trifecta, a Einhoff tri hug here, Album Nerds Hall of Fame. I, of course, am going to nominate uh, this year album, and I think I think this is going to be a big day for us here at the show. Einhoff alert. Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. All right, so just say yes and yes, and let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this fucking... <laughs> Fucking record. No, this, uh, this oh, era of music is just uh, so awesome. It's so good. There's magic in, in it because they were blending rock and pop in such like beautiful ways. Interesting ways, yeah. It feels so organic. The passion was there, yeah. It wasn't canned. The passion was there. It wasn't formulaic. So, yeah, uh, three for three, I mean, for me today. Uh, yes. I vote yes to the triple Lanehoff. That sounds really painful. <laughs> I think you're supposed to use a sitz bath, um, maybe soak in some hot water and Epsom salts for a while, and it will relieve that pressure and the itching. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, um, we, had some, we had some fun today. Thank you to all of our listeners for throwing stuff out there. So that was Fleetwood Mac Rumors. If you have not listened to this album and you just know the songs, I, I implore you, go listen to the album. All right, I uh, I learned that we have some great listeners and um, that they were very gracious in putting all these things on here for us to choose from. So I, I just learned that uh, listening to albums from people who uh, are part of the little group you're part of and they recommend, it's so fun to just check it out and kind of get a sense of who these folks are, what they like. And I really enjoyed that. So, and thanks for the opportunity to pick an album I've been wanting to talk about forever. Word up. Yeah. Thanks. Do, do appreciate it, everybody. Yeah. I know we put so many recommendations out there. It's nice to kind of get some back here too. kind of make this a two way street here. Um, I'll just throw out a few recommendations for Frankie P since you're into Tori Amos. Um, if you haven't heard her 2021 record, Ocean to Ocean, I think it's actually a pretty solid entry in her discography. There's a super group called Cass Lang. Veers put out a self-titled record uh, back in 2016. That's actually really, really good. Uh, kind of that singer-songwriter vibe again. And then an album that we talked about a couple years ago on the show from Nadia Reed, uh, titled Out of My Province. It's kind of another uh, female-led singer-songwriter project that I thought was really good. I can't remember dude's thoughts were on that record. Maybe you were kind of middle of the road. Yep. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think you'd probably appreciate those, knowing you're a, a Tory fan. Yeah. So um, you know, again, thank you to, to Boolean's Vark for uh, recommending an, an album that that I've been dying to talk about. You know, I, I assume they they've probably explored uh, you know the rest of the Depeche Mode catalog. Uh, if they haven't, the next one I would go to would be uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion, which was the follow up, which uh, incorporates uh, you know even more kind of rock instrumentation. And then you know if you're looking for something more modern, sometimes Arcade Fire you know has some Depeche Mode elements. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think Depeche Mode was an influence on uh, on them. So, you know, definitely check out some of the some of their work. And that's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. 
We're excited to bring out our our newly named AI bot here, Wadbot. Get your Wadbot out here. (laughs) Wow, this did not go well for Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, Yeah, it's time to uh, gather around while we uh, get that Wheel of Musical Destiny another spin and see what next week has in store for us. Your musical destiny is to explore late career masterpieces. Interpret that how you will. Best of luck to you all. What bot out? Hey, there's that word that Don likes so much. Masterpiece. Magnum magnum opuses. Late career magnum opuses. Is the the plural of opus like opi? I hope so. Magnum opi? Magnum opi. (laughs) Yeah, I was part of that frat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was Tapakegabira. <laughs> and Andy was Delta Delta Delta. Sounds cool too. I mean. Okay, keep the recommendations coming. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com/discord. You can email us at podcast@albumnerds.com at or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at albumnerds. If you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com/support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. All right, thanks again for listening to the Album Nerds podcast. We'll catch you next time when we'll be talking about some leaked career masterpieces i mean magnum opi thanks for listening everybody thanks again for all the uh, good recommendations you can go your own way (laughs) (laughs) and we will (laughs) seems likely (laughs) 